cats and kittens. We are back with another very special stay-at-home self-quarantine episode of the Brando Cast. God damn it. It is round four. Round four with Jimmy Pardo. Yeah. He's look, he's looking at me like, what? What is round four? Are we, are we including the one that we didn't air because of your snafu? I thought it was only three. <laughs> That is true. No, you're right. You're right. All right, number three. It's the, yeah. It's there, there was that, the fourth that you mucked up where we talked about Marillion for way too long and let down the one guy that gave a crap about Marillion. Oh, man. Yes, lost to the sands of time because of my own um, technical errors. Yeah. But here we are once again, uh, you know, talking to uh, the, I'm going to say it, Jimmy, the podfather. Okay. <laughs> you know, I, w- I was comfortable with Podfather for a while until uh, Corolla uh, adopted it. And he oh, started calling. No. And I think unironically started calling himself the Podfather. And it was like, no, no, I can't. Uh, oh, he did I can't not. be that guy. He did not. I th- Yeah, I think so. I believe that's the case. <laughs> you know, I almost said friend of the show. That's another weird one. You know, here's what here's the thing. I grew up, and, and maybe you did too a little bit uh, when you were in Chicago, listening to Steve Dahl and Gary Meyer. Oh, every day. And, and they would call people friend of the show, and I thought it was the greatest thing in the world. So when I started doing the podcast, admittedly, just stole it. Just stole it right from Steve and Gary. And um, started calling people friend of the show. But now every... Everybody uses it. And and again, I, I'm not... I was not... Certainly not a pioneer. I stole it. But... It, I'm with you in that, like, now when I go on other shows and they go, friend of show, I'm like, okay. <laughs> so it almost makes me not want to say it anymore, even though I know I'd say it, I think, every week. Well, I think that back in the day, I honestly believe that Steve Earle and Bruce Hornsby were two of my favorite friend of the Steve and Gary shows. <laughs> you, you know what? I'm going to add Jimmy Webb to that. There ah. was, uh, um, and, and Richard Lewis as well. Those were, like, guys that were just phenomenal guests with those two guys. Yeah, that was uh, for people who don't know, listening to this podcast, Steve and Gary were on every day in Chicago, uh, a couple different radio stations. Uh, at the same time, Howard Stern was starting his career. Steve Dahl predated him. And uh, God, if you were a dude in Chicago in the in the late 70s and 80s, that I mean, that was it, right? It was every single day. Yes. I just left it on in the background, even if I wasn't actively listening to it. I would, uh, you know, uh, he did. Uh, remember when Skylab was falling? Remember that? And he, he did his parody of uh, of Shattered called Skylab, and and he and Gary, quote unquote, were hiding in a Winnebago underground in case Skylab landed in Chicago, they'd be safe. And I sat on my front porch with a white, a plastic White Sox helmet that I made into a Skylab, uh, uh, some sort of Skylab related helmet. And listen to the four-hour Stephen Gary show. Like, it, what if Skylab crashes during this? I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready on the south side of Chicago. Yeah, <laughs> and I think I think as all those things, I think it ended up landing in an ocean. Right? I think that's what. Uh, yes, we get scared for about forty-eight hours, and then it's just like, uh, and then literally, the, whatever whatever the thing is that we're panicked about, it crashes. And nobody talks about it ever again. They're like, oh, yeah, crash in the ocean. Okay. Anyway, here's another thing going on. Like, it, it, it's crazy. The panic over Y2K. That Dude. somehow at midnight in the year 2000, every computer on the planet Earth was going to shut down. And right. So it's in the, uh, the apocalypse. And how many did? How many exactly did? <laughs> None. Zero. Zero. <laughs> so those whack jobs panicked. 
<laughs> oh my god they call people people stocked up on food <laughs> yeah oh, well god. oh my god the run on toilet paper at the beginning remember the run on toilet paper at the beginning of this goddamn pandemic yes uh, uh completely unnecessary why why that it, it still makes no sense I know. and the thing that i'm mad about is that they've they switched everything on us as a you know as a person who doesn't have children i don't need to buy a 12 pack of toilet paper you know they, but now that's all you can buy they don't sell the smaller packages you're telling me no they don't <laughs> well you know just financially buying the 12 is, is helpful for you i understand <laughs> okay i just want i just want you know like i'm not a costco guy we don't go to costco we don't buy the, the you know the 50 pack but the 12 pack's going to save you a couple bucks over the uh, uh, three, four packs. There you go. Um, speaking of Chicago, uh, yes. one of the great things about Jimmy is that he loves the band Chicago. And that's what we're going to talk about today on the Brando cast. We're going to talk about the brand new box set that came out in celebration of the 50th anniversary of their shows at Carnegie Hall. And we're going to do a deep dive with Jimmy on that uh, incredible. 16 CD box set. But first, I want to catch up with you on some live shows because I think you and I have been at a bunch of the same concerts lately. So before we get into the discussion today, I just wanted to, you know, hear your thoughts on some of the live shows that you've seen in the past uh, month or so. Here's what, uh, for the listener, this is what happens. Um, I go to these live shows with either my wife or my son. And then the next day, I see Brando's tweets about how he's there, and I look at where he's sitting, and he might be—he might be next to me. <laughs> and we don't know where—we don't know we're at the same show. We, we don't communicate. Hey, you're going to this? We none of that happens. And then I see it. I go, "You're never going to guess what? I was in section 114, and you were in section 150. Like we were literally—we could have waved to each other and made eye contact. That's how close we were sitting. I think at three of these things. Yeah. Well, Doobie Brothers for sure. Uh, we were oh Doobie Brothers. I think we were like weren't we? We were like in each other's laps, and we weren't aware of it. I know. I was sitting uh, near the guy with the "fuck Biden" face mask. Dude, come unnecessary. on, unnecessary. <laughs> so unnecessary. <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, here's the thing about the Doobie Brothers. They bring out both. Uh, well, they bring us out. They bring uh, the, you know uh, some some I'll say it sane human beings, and then they but they also bring out the Billy, and they bring out the. Orange County, rich white a hole, and so, that was that was the guy. That right. the, the, that guy, he was in a a, but, a white button up shirt, a oh, shirt, sure. khaki shorts, right, loafers. Fuck Biden face. Man. Uh, it's <laughs> it, it's crazy because you get you get the you get the the old school classic rock guy, which you and I are, but you, you know what I mean. Almost the stereotypical classic rock guy, like that you might see in Dazed and Confused. And the Yacht Rock guy, you, uh, go to the Doobie Brothers, and then there's me, you, and my wife. So it's uh, <laughs> uh, as well. Which, and by the way, that show was, I think, and you and I talked about this, but we'll, we'll share it. I thought it was, um, a, a, for a Doobie Brother fan, it had to be amazing. It had to be one of those shows where you where they left going, that was great. But as a casual Doobie Brother fan, which is what I am, uh little too deep album cut heavy for me little a uh, little uh, little sluggish in the middle yeah totally understood i actually i think i shared this before that i felt like it for the casual fan it was like three or four songs too long yes but once they get into the run of hits which dude you want it's undeniable those last seven the last seven songs are like you you gotta be kidding me like you 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 don't stop breathing it's it's that and all of them, all of them 
could be the closing song. All yeah. of them could be like, well, this is this is the end here. No, no, this is the end here. I, there's only one they didn't do, and I don't remember what it was, but there was only one where I felt like they they maybe music is the doctor, which is not their greatest song from the '80s, but um, maybe that instead of one of the deep cuts from the Captain and Me, maybe maybe something that was on the radio that I might have heard. Well, I I mean, you know this about me. Uh, my tastes in live music tend to run more metal and punk rock. So I actually haven't been to a ton of classic rock shows other than The Who, The Rolling Stones, um, you know, Paul McCartney, that kind of stuff. So this was one of my first real deal, big time classic rock shows. And I was impressed. Yes, it was too long. Yes, there were songs I've never heard. Right, yes, right. I'm a fan, but God damn it, did they bring it? And it looked like they were having a great time, and that's the thing that always reads to me. Uh, I will agree with you on that. I've seen the Doobie Brothers many times in the past because they did. They actually toured with Chicago for uh, minimum one tour, maybe possibly two. Mm-hmm. Um, but I saw them on their own. The Doobie Brothers song with Chicago, but I've never seen them with Michael McDonald, which was the reason I wanted to go to this particular show um, in the middle of a pandemic. Um, like, you know, I don't know if the Doobie Brothers is the show I need to risk getting COVID at, but, um, I, I never see Michael McDonald. My wife loves Michael McDonald. I actually bought her the tickets for her birth, no, for, for Christmas 2019. And then of course it got kept getting pushed back. Um, and I, I thought, I did think it was great, but in the, I'm a, I'm going to quote my wife as we were walking to the car from the show. I may have overestimated how big of a fan I am. <laughs> so, um, those well, I totally mi- understood. I felt those, the same you way. You say those middle ones, those few that you've never heard, just a little. But you know what? I still enjoyed. It. I, I, I still enjoyed the heck out of it. Yeah, as did I. Now, were you at the Eagles? I was not. I've seen the Eagles twice, and you know what? I, I, I've seen them enough for my in my lifetime. I've seen. Um, First of all, it's always expensive. Uh, the Eagles charge more than any other band in the world for reasons I will never understand. You, 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 you already own an island. I mean, do you need, do you need my four hundred dollars? Why? It, it, come on, man. Um, and I saw the last show. The you know the the history of the Eagles uh, when uh, to complement the documentary uh, where you know they kind of went in order uh, of uh, of their career and Glenn Fry and and they told stories and. Uh, and I felt like I got it. I don't need to see them again. So, but how was it? You were just—was that last night? No, last week. Uh, that was last week. Yes, yeah. that was that was a week and a half ago. Whatever. I, look, I'll just say this: uh, as uh, the reason that I love metal and punk rock is that it wasn't the Eagles because I'm almost fifty-four, and if you were alive in the late seventies and the early eighties, all you fucking heard was the goddamn Eagles, right? And and again and again. However. It's undeniable when you put all those songs together in a live setting. And that's the first time I've ever seen them. Holy shit. Yeah. And I know them all. I know all the songs. They played Hotel California from start to finish. They took a break and then they came back and it was just hit, hit, hits. My big takeaways, love Vince Gill. God damn it, do I love Vince Gill. He's a great guitarist, isn't he? He's a great guitarist. And him singing um, uh, some of the songs, uh, a fantastic... um, Take it to the limit was a highlight for me. Okay, but, but the the star of the night was Joe Walsh for me. Easily, Joe Walsh he had a great night on guitar, and when he sings "Rocky Mountain Way" or "In the City," they did "Funk 49." Um, Joe is just fantastic. I've always loved Joe Walsh. Right, love the James Gang. I always ha- loved solo Joe Walsh. I just couldn't stand Don and Glenn. 
you know, I just realized, I just, I was like, those guys are douchey. You know what happened with me? I, I, cause I'm hundred percent with you. I, I could not stand them. Um, and I worked for MCA records when Glenn Fry had his albums on, on MCA. Oh, and, and so I knew he was, uh, you know, uh, not, not pleasant. Um, <laughs> and, um, so I, and I didn't like, and there was something about Glenn Fry's. So like, I just didn't dig it. And even though I loved the song hotel, California, you, you know, I, and I, yes, it's overplayed and it's enough, but I, I mean, it's really, it's gotta be in my top 10 favorite songs of all time. It's such a great song. Um, but then I went to see Don Henley in concert at the Universal Amphitheater. Let's call it late 90s. I forget when he was there. Hmm. And I went as a plus one to somebody. Somebody brought me with them. They had it, it, and um, somebody dropped out at the last minute. I went along. And I got I, I, all of a sudden turned me. I was like, holy shit, I'm wrong about Don Henley. I'm wrong about Don Henley. <laughs> and I, I, you know, I, when I, I rebought the solo albums, I, you know, and revisited the Eagles and, um, it, so, but again, I've seen him enough, and uh, uh, the the only reason I would go would see uh, would be to see how Vince Gill uh, plays into the mix. But uh, uh, he's he's fantastic, and I, you know I'm not a country guy, but uh, God damn it, does he do a great job in the Eagles? And it says it's a perfect fit. Um, let's go to the next one. I think you're at the Rolling Stones. Yes or no? I was there. I believe the same night as you. I believe that's another one where we uh, I discovered. Uh, uh, and we had what we had, boy, we had we, we, on a map, it looked like we were going to be uh, touching Mick Jagger's shoes. Like, holy crap. How do we get such great seats? And then when you arrive, like we're nowhere near the stage, <laughs> it was, they were, they, but they were still like the best seats in the place. Like, but the venue is so huge. Um, and that was my second, I'd seen him at Dodger stadium, uh, what 15, 20, 10, 15 years ago, whenever it was. Very good show, but it was Dodger Stadium, and seeing shows there sucks. Um, and I thought this was phenomenal. I thought it was really, really great. What did you think? I well, first of all, I'll just say this: a public service announcement um, for people who are going to the SoFi Stadium in the future: know where your seats are and know where you need to park to get to those seats. Otherwise, you might end up walking around the stadium, which is the biggest fucking thing in the whole world. It is a monolith of a of a building. And to also, it's not it's not outdoors. Don't be. It's not an outdoor stadium. Which is, I mean, it's got it's open air. Do they call it? But there's but it has a roof. Uh, so I was uh, I had layered my clothing because I thought I was going to be freezing outside. Instead, I'm in a building, so I'm now I'm sweating. Um, <laughs> also, to your yeah, to your point, they have specific entrances for you to go in. Um, also, if you don't know anything about the parking at the SoFi. Uh, $85 is the least yeah. amount of money you're going to pay. It's ridiculous. I know. It, I, yeah, it is uh, just the, all of the parking, you know, the parking alone for the shows that I've gone in the last couple months. Right. Price. It's like $200 well, t- worth of parking. Let's talk off the air. I have a secret spot for the uh, forum slash SoFi where I park for free. Uh, holy. Okay. Wow. Holy bananas. I have a secret place where I park for 30 bucks. It's a dentist's office on Manchester. I ain't paying 30 bucks. Okay. Yeah. You're smarter than I. Are you going into the neighborhood? You don't have to tell me where you go, but are you going into one of the neighborhoods? Not telling you any of the information. I'm not telling you a single thing. Not telling you a single thing. Uh, oh, my God. Wow. That is. But nice. I'll tell you what, it's never not worked. It's, okay. uh, it's, it's, uh, um, I, and I've even met, hey, let's meet here. And then we both par- have parked there. Wow. It's never not, I've been successful. 100% of the time. 
And it's obviously not the Sizzler because I think that they charge people 50 bucks. Yeah, yeah. No, it's not the Sizzler. That, well, that, you know, back in the old day, that was my trick. I would go to the Sizzler for dinner. <laughs> and so I would I would park there, get there early, park there, ha- have a um, average steak. Yes. And then uh, just walk over to the forum and see Queensryche. <laughs> oh, my God. I can't remember the last time I've been to a Sizzler. I know it was the Sizzler that was on Highland and Fountain, which is long gone. Right. Because, you know, it's like you get that craving once every 20 years. Yes. What a- I'd like to go to Red Lobster tonight. Yes. Uh, but uh, my son and I, we went to a Sizzler recently because we were like, same deal. I, 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 I mean, maybe three years ago. Yeah. And same deal. I was like, you know what? I know it's not the greatest, but I want to get the steak and the Malibu chicken combo. I want to get that thing. And it was like when I first moved to LA, we went to Sizzler all the time because it was cheap and that's all I could afford. I, and I remember going, well, it's good. It's still good. It's still good. And this was like, what? Has my palate changed that much? This is awful. It's it's airplane food. I I've been watching vintage Sambo's commercials on YouTube. Yes. For a dollar ninety-nine, get the New York strip, the baked potato, and the garden salad only at Sambo's. And you're like, a, even a for a buck ninety-nine in nineteen eighty, like, come on, what are you giving us? <laughs> you know, you know, it's funny you say that. My, you know, we, we grew up uh, south side of Chicago, we grew up very poor. We did not I mean really, really poor. And us going to any sort of restaurant was um was a treat. It really was. Uh, that said, there was a Sambo's not far from our house, and then it was also a Wags and some other, you know, various, uh, all the same thing. Uh, and, but my mom, even even though we were poor, my mom would go, "You never buy a dollar ninety nine steak." <laughs> like, like even 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 as a poor person, they like my mom's like, "Don't don't come on, <laughs> whatever. Get get something else. Get the turkey dinner. Don't get the yeah." Oh my god. Oh, fantastic! What did you think of the Rolling Stones? I thought it was great. I thought it was absolutely terrific. I uh, I I was full of, uh, 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 and I said this about the Hall and Oates show when I saw them uh, recently at the uh, Hollywood Bowl. Um, I was full of joy the second that the show started. They they came out and it was like when they opened with "Let's Spend the Night Together," and uh, they did a couple of deep tracks that I I mean I, I'm not the biggest Rolling Stones guy, but I like them. Uh, they did a couple of tracks that I didn't know, but that was for you know, a guy like me. It's perfect time to go to the restroom or you know go grab a snack, whatever needs to happen. Um, but I thought it was great. What about you? I loved it. I've seen them so many times. I've been fortunate enough to see them so many times, starting in 1989 at Alpine Valley, Wisconsin. Oh my gosh. Speaking um, of horrible parking. <laughs> Man, um, the worst. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, um, no, I loved it. And uh, I said to somebody, you know, I used to hate start me up. But you don't anymore, right? Oh no, no, I love it's it's joyous, it's euphoric, it's a it could be a closer. You're talking about, you know, the doobies having so many closers. I mean, the, the stones have a, a billion closers. Well, to, um, Brandon, to, to that point, think about the songs that it, it, they could have done a second show with the songs they didn't do. Yeah. Oh, oh, easily, 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 easily. And I I I loved it. I kudos to Steve Jordan for stepping into a legend's shoes. Um, it all worked for me. Um, speaking of, uh, of Alpine Valley, I don't believe that you were here the other night for the dead and company. No, <laughs> no, I, um, I, I, that is, that was never my scene. Yeah. And, and I can't even here's I I've had experiences with John Mayer that make me despise him. Oh, oh. and, 
Oh, it well, bums I'll... me out because I think he's a great, I think he's a great guitarist and I actually think he's a great songwriter, it, but I don't like his singing voice. So whenever like, like his new album, the songs on his new album, I think they're great. And I wish that he would have a singer. I wish he'd have a vocalist that could be, would bring, there's just something too light and missing about his voice for me. Um, but so, so the combo of, I don't care about the dead and I don't care about John Mayer. Uh, no, thank you. That's a double no for you. Yeah. Well, I will say this. I, I went on Saturday night for the second of three shows that they did at the Hollywood Bowl. Um, it was a revelation for me. I have not seen any sort of dead outfit since Jerry Garcia died. I was, I, I did participate in that stuff back in the day. The last time I saw them was uh, Las Vegas, uh, just a few months before he passed away. Uh, and John Mayer can play guitar. I didn't know yeah. that. Didn't know that. And the hippies love him. The deadheads love him. Uh, they are all those people. My takeaway from that show the other night is all of those people are were so desperate for the experience that they had 70s, 80s, and 90s that was taken away from them by the death of Jerry Garcia that everything is exactly the same. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was like being in a time warp. Wow. Yeah. And, um, you know, the tie dyes, the partying beforehand, the village set up in lot D across Highland from the Hollywood Bowl, where all the hippies were selling, you know, merchandise and grilled cheese sandwiches and crystals and bundles of sage. It was all there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, and the place, I honestly think they let an extra 3,000 people into the Hollywood Bowl for Dead and Company because all of the aisles were completely filled with people dancing. Security did not shut them down as they usually do. Right. Like if you're walking through the section between the uh, the cheap seats and the terrace boxes and you stop to take a photo, you, a guard will be like, hey, keep moving, keep moving, get it, get out of here. That was completely thick with people dancing. Really? All, I We're in a pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, not there. <laughs> not at Dead & Company. Wow. Because uh, those people um, wanted that experience. So right. I didn't think you were there. But I no, that's not 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 my bag. Uh, by the way, uh, going back to the Rolling Stones, we had see we ended up uh, uh, we had great seats. But if we moved one section over, we literally had our own section. Oh, it was uh, it, we we went from being way too crowded to literally. I'm, I'm not kidding. Nobody around us. It was fantastic. Oh wow, that's yeah. uh, well, that's fan- I, I felt pretty safe there actually because it it is the, all the plazas that you enter are pretty wide open. Yeah, agreed. Um, it's almost like a canopy, like the top of the, that SoFi stadium is almost like a canopy rather than a roof. That's a great way to put it. And watching the plane. I was going to I was just going to say that the first time the plane went over, it scared the shit up. I was like, what? what? Good, good God. And then, oh, oh, it's see-through. Okay. We're okay. <laughs> Every two minutes. Yes. Like clockwork. It's real. it was really crazy. That was very trippy. Yeah. Uh, anyway. All right. That was a good concert. What else have you seen lately? Anything else? Well, you- I mentioned Hall and Oates, saw Hall and Oates, uh, saw Foreigner at the Greek. Oh. Uh, that was fantastic. Okay, tell me, tell me. Uh, I, I mean, look, there's not a song you don't know. Like they, and then there's a few that they didn't do. They they didn't do Star Rider. Uh, they didn't do a couple. Um, uh, they didn't do that was yesterday, which was a bummer. That's my favorite foreigner song. Mine too. Um, that was just yesterday. yesterday. Oh God, damn, a great song. Uh, but it was. I brought my son. My son's a uh, likes foreigner, uh, and so we. Uh, it was great. And again, we ended up, uh, we moved our seats and sat with nobody around us. So I felt very comfortable. And um, it was great. It was just an evening with Foreigner. No opening act, nothing. It was just, boom, 8.15, 9.45, you're done. Oh, nice. Very nice. What's your move when you go to the Greek theater for parking? 
Uh, if I was, here's the thing, I'm dealing with a little planter's fasciitis, which is, I have trouble saying, uh, but usually I will, I will park down the hill in a neighborhood and walk the maybe mile up. Mm-hmm. And, um, I just wasn't, I was, it's like, you know what, for, for foreigner, I'll, I'll, I'll drop the money. And cause it's not going to be crazy getting out. It's not gonna be that crowded. Uh, so I just, I just paid, I paid the parking. Usually I, I park down there. What do you do? Oh, I love, I used to live near the corner of Vermont and Los Feliz Boulevard. So walking up there, I oh. there every day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My dog back in the day. Um, so I love parking down there, but it, it always depends on who you're with. Right? right. You know what I mean? I do know um, what you mean. I know exactly what you deal, mean. There's also a deal, which I've done before, where you have dinner at mess hall, leave your car there, and they drive you up. They, you I mean, you've got to have a dinner at, at that, the restaurant mess hall. Who drives me up? Uh, like they have like a little shuttle, a little shuttle. Yeah, they right. together. Like if you want to do, you know, dinner and a and a show, they have that system at, at mess hall. But I don't know what mess hall is. Is it food that I would enjoy? I don't know. It's it's uh, God, the place could be so great. It's on. It's right near the corner of Hillhurst and Los Feliz Boulevard. It was the old where the old Derby was way way back in the day. Sure. Um, you know, it's fine. It's passable. Okay. Um. But it's it's all about location. So but, anyway. by the way, remember we just said we we'll go to Sizzler. So maybe uh, <laughs> maybe I shouldn't be asking if it's acceptable. <laughs> oh my God! All right, yes. Go now. Now we get to the real live experience okay. that uh, we're going to talk about today. As I mentioned earlier in the show, Rhino Records has just released a sixteen CD box set and of course the special bundle comes with all kinds of goodies like a reproduction concert uh poster stuff like that uh and this is the shows that the band chicago played at carnegie hall in april of 1971 they did eight shows including two matinees uh they did release a live album back in the early 70s that was chicago at carnegie hall uh, reached number three on the Billboard charts, um, and it was a big record for them. So to honor the 50th anniversary, Rhino put this thing together. It's fantastic. It's got everything. And I think our guest today has some involvement in the package. What did you do, Jimmy Pardo, for this? It, uh, well, it, you know, years ago, I was called by Peter Pardini, who is the director of um, a filmmaker, and he's a, he directed the documentary now more than ever about Chicago. And he, and he called me to be in the movie now more than ever. And uh, at that moment, that was the greatest phone call I've ever received in my entire life. Like to be asked to be, because Chicago is my favorite band for the listeners that don't know that they're my, I mean, and I mean, I'm the way you are for Iron Maiden is the way that I am for Chicago. Like it, it would, it's um, growing up. I had my, my walls were like, it, like the stereotypical high school girl with tiger beat, pictures all over except it was chicago like and i had peter satara and robert lamb and jimmy panko and uh every on my wall i mean just i mean and every freaking inch of my walls were covered with chicago like that's how big i was into them from 1981 on and um uh and so when i was asked to be in the documentary i was i I mean i was over the moon i was like oh my god it does it doesn't get better than this this is the greatest and because i was in the documentary i um uh, I then had the opportunity to spend some time with the band and get to know the band a little bit. And um, uh, they've always been very gracious and welcoming and very kind. And uh, I was at the Rockwell Hall of Fame when they were inducted. 
And just by coincidence, I was in the near their dressing room when they got off stage and, and Jimmy Panko came over to me and he's like, Jimmy, so great to see you. And like, which, which, of course, just blew. Are you, are you what, what the guy who was on my wall knows my name by sight, but knows my face and introduces me to his daughter. And he said, I got to tell you, he goes, I'm so thrilled you could, you could share this night with us. And it was like, what a great thing to say. No, no reason to say that, but, but, and maybe he's, I don't know if he's doing showbiz nonsense, but it seems sincere. But I, anyhow, uh, as time's gone on, I've then also become friend, uh, friendly with uh, David Wilde, the great rock journalist, David Wilde. And so I know the guys at Rhino a little bit, Mike over there and uh, from being backstage at shows and I know David. So I got an email and and the reason I, I, the reason I do all this backstory is to say, then I then received what I, what is now the, the better phone call than being asked to be in the documentary. And it's like, I, I didn't think it could, t- I didn't think that anything could top that because that was, are you kidding me? This is, if you tell 1981 sitting on his bed, we're looking at the back of hot streets, Jimmy Pardo, holy crap. So, so David Wilde sends me an email. Hey, do you got a second to talk? I'm like, yeah. And he, he called me up and he goes, Hey, they just asked me to do the liner notes for the 50th anniversary of Carnegie hall. Um, I think I'm going to pass it on to you. Uh, do you want to do it? He goes, or we could do it together. And admittedly, it's like it, it, it maybe uh, insecurities or whatever played into it. And I was like, well, and I also was like, well, you're a rock journalist and I'm a comedian. Let's do it together. Let's do it together. Let's please, let's do it together. If you're, if you're willing to do it together. And he's like, well, I'm, I'm willing to just let you do it. And I'm like, no, let's do it together. So, um, I'm, I'm so effing grateful that David Weil asked me to be it. And so we ended up, it, it, we're, uh, even though it's a song on Chicago 5, and this is Chicago 4, theoretically, Carnegie Hall, where we call it a dialogue with David Wilde and Jimmy Pardo uh, after the song Dialogue on, on Chicago 5. And it's basically just David and I talked about Chicago and the songs and our love of it and then transcribed it. And that is part of the liner notes in this album. And here's the here's the one thing that's cooler than all of that. Uh, I didn't think it could get cooler until I saw it, until I received my album. And on the hype sticker on the front cover, it says with liner notes from Lee Lochnane, David Wilde, and Jimmy Pardo. And it's on the effing cover. And it was like, I'm a 50-something-year-old man. And I'm still like, you got to be kidding me. It was... It, that's it's just seeing the uh, like I worked in a record store and and now I, I, I'm I'm uh, to think about flipping through a thing and seeing my name on it. it, it I mean, it just it, I, I thank David Wilde. I thank the band. I it's I'm I, I you know my dad. I, I got in Chicago because of my dad, and uh, you know to be able to send my dad a, a copy and he's like, son, this is the this is the greatest thing. It, like this is the it, it, this is the coolest and you know uh, and he's you know he's been supportive of my career but i think this was like the one thing like jesus my kid kind of did something here this is pretty cool so uh that that is how that all came to be well that is phenomenal um i just had a recent experience uh also with another rhino records release i got i had peter jesperson who was the replacements original manager and they just released uh, the replacements first record on Rhino with a whole bunch of extra stuff. Uh, and we had a great chat about it. And so for me talking to, you know, one of my heroes, right. was super fun. And they just sent me, uh, that box set, that replacements box set, which I fucking love. So Rhino is doing some good things lately. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, I hope you're in the mix now for the liner notes, Grammy. Do well, well, Oh, well, first of all, 
I mean, come on. That would be insane. And by the way, I'll say this: the package, the packaging is phenomenal. Yeah. So there is a chance that this particular, you know, the, the packaging could be nominated for a Grammy because the 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 package, you know, it, it does. To you brought it up earlier, it, rep, it replicates what came out in 1971 uh, with the with the you know these giant posters and the uh, the uh, the approach, the tour program, uh, the show program, um, and then there's like a, a list of show dates. Uh, as well as uh, then these new liner notes. So, uh, and it looks beautiful and it sounds beautiful. So th- there is a chance that I'm, I'm sure they're going to submit it. Yeah. Well, I'm having uh, Bob Mayer on the Brando cast coming up in a couple of weeks. Uh, he is a guy who wrote the book on the replacements called Trouble Boys. And he won a Grammy for the liner notes that he did for another recent Rhino Records oh. replacement set. Uh, won the Grammy for it. So that category exists. Well, I'll tell you something. If that happens, that will take over from the other two spots. So uh, of the greatest thing that ever that's ever happened. Although I don't know if that's true. I, I think I mean, obviously it would, it would be amazing. But but just again, my name on the sticker and 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 it, it being in the documentary and being part of this band that I so love is just. Uh, and I think David Wilde and Peter Pardini and the people at Rhino and the band is just. Um, uh, just amazing. Uh, by the way, I saw the replacements at the Cabaret Metro. Yes, you uh, did. And uh, my buddy Paul uh, got elbowed in the nose, and um, uh, there was a mosh pit, and I don't think I enjoyed myself. <laughs> I think I said this on your show. I got punched in the back of the head at the replacement show at the Aragon Ballroom, but I didn't mind because I could walk away with a story like, I got punched in the head. But, but why is that, that, that music isn't violent? Why, why, why is that crowd violent? Uh, well, they were mad because the the band stu- ended, uh, the show ended, and then the Ramones came on the PA system, and people were like, ah, and then I got punched. Oh, it's all good. All right. Uh, Why, they, so, so they turned into Muppets and then punched you. That was a pretty good animal, wasn't it? It was a it was a pretty decent animal. Yes. <laughs> oh, fantastic! All right, let's dive into okay uh, the track listing. Jimmy picked a a bunch of tracks. Uh, from this set that he loves. And I got to say, I mean, I do enjoy Chicago. I truly do enjoy Chicago. But you picked some songs that I didn't know, starting with the first one. Uh, this is Someday. Would you look around you now and tell me what you see? Okay, so Jimmy, yes. tell me about this song, Someday. Uh, Someday is uh, written by Robert Lamb. And look, and here's the thing. I discovered... <laughs> In doing the liner notes with David Wilde, I discovered that maybe maybe I don't know my 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 political timeline as well as uh, as I thought. Uh, like I thought a song that, uh, that's on this called "A Song for Richard and His Friends," uh, which is about hoping that Richard Nixon leaves office. I thought it was Watergate related. All my whole growing up, I thought it was Watergate related. But this album predates Watergate by year, like by years, and it's like, but I and Dummy learned that talking to David Wilde. So it even. Even into my adulthood, I'm like, yeah, it's, 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 obviously it's about that. It's about, you know, it's about Watergate. Well, it's not because it hadn't happened yet, dummy. So uh, to me, someday, and maybe I'll be proven wrong, is about the Vietnam War and and protesting and stuff like that. And it's a it's a great Robert Lamb song, and who I think is one of the greatest songwriters of all time. Um, and it just isn't. It's on Chicago. It's on Chicago. The first album, it's on Chicago Transit Authority. Um, it's got some great drums in it. Satera, uh, uh, so, Lamb sounds great in vocals. So he, share, he, he shares them with Satera, and uh, they trade off. And it is just a, again, I, I, 
I hope I know what it's about, but so at least what, what it's about to me means something. And uh, it's in my, that is uh, without a doubt, my top five Chicago songs uh, of all time. And, um, and then it had not been my, the whole reason I, I, I bring it up here is it was not on the original Carnegie hall uh, because they screwed up. Apparently they screwed up. They screwed it up uh, live and they weren't Audio. happy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They, they uh, weren't happy with the sound. Exactly. So they, um, uh, they fixed the sound on that particular song. They even like they, I guess they slid some stuff together to make it where they didn't have the hiccup that they had. And, um, and so I never heard someday live. So to hear someday live for the first time in 2021 was like, I got, Oh yeah, I get the you know, new something to me. It's something every other song I'd heard live. I'd never heard that song live. So it was uh, exciting and new. When you see them current day, Yes. Did they go way back sometimes and pull out album cuts from some of those first couple records? Very rarely will you get an album cut, you, uh, except for the song Introduction off the first album. Uh, but they did a tour a few years ago where they did all of Chicago 2 um, and then came back, to, you know, like you mentioned with the, um, uh, uh, who'd you just say that you saw with the greatest hits? The do- Doobie Oh, bro. the Eagles. And the Eagles and Doobie. Uh, uh, so they would do all of Chicago 2, intermission, and then come back and do a greatest hit set. Right. Um, but otherwise, they pretty much do uh, every song that's on the radio. They do every every song, uh, with the exception of dialogue and uh, and introduction. Um, and you know what? The truth is, people always complain, like you know, how you know they get sold out in the. They, they literally do three or four at the most eighty songs. Wow! Out of a eighteen wow. or twenty sets uh, song uh, song set list, so uh, it's all classics and, and it's and and by the way they sound better than ever they sound phenomenal yeah i think a lot of these acts that have stood the test of time or just stuck with each other the the core group uh i felt this way when i saw the doobies i felt this way about e- the eagles i feel this way about iron maiden they reach a level of expertise in what they do uh that pays off in the modern era that's yeah. the only way i can say it like they they just get better you know? and, and, you know, in, in Chicago's case, they, they also have some younger dudes who, you know, are running around. They're, you know, they're, you know, I mean, the, the three guys that are left, Lee Lockney, Jimmy Panko, and Robert Lamb, are 70, mid-70s. You know yeah. what I mean? They're, they're, they're older guys, but, and, they're, and Panko's still running around with, with a sleeveless vest on. I mean, I guess all vests are sleeveless, but you know what I mean? It's like, yes. uh, but he, no know, shirt underneath the vest. No shirt. That's what I'm trying to say. Thank you. Tough move. That's yeah, a, just that's a vest. Awesome. He's just wearing around in a vest at 70 something. He looks great. Right. Right. And then he's the younger guys and they just sound, they sound hot. I do wish the, the other song that they kind of, they do a song called street player off uh, Chicago 13, uh, which really nobody knows. And that, that is it sadly is the time where a lot of folks get up and go to the restroom. Cause they don't, they just don't know it. Right. Um, but it's a great song. I'm glad they do it. <laughs> uh, before we move on to the next song, I will admit this to you. I tried to do the Tom Petty vest look. That's a like a dark vest with a white button-up shirt rolled up at the sleeves for a while, and I, I just couldn't pull that off. I've never been junky thin enough to look like a rock guy. You know what I mean? I do. I, uh, during my vest phase, which uh, which was in the early 90s, um, I would wear it over a, uh, and, and you know me, I'm, I'm, I'm a tiny man. I'm five foot four. Uh, but I was a, a drunken bloated idiot back in the early nineties. And so I had to, I'm not kidding. I had to wear an extra large t-shirt to get over my beer gut. And so I would have an extra large t-shirt and then a vest over that. 
<laughs> and then pants. And that was my onstage apparel. And I thought it was okay. <laughs> I looked like a, like a, like a, like a magician that nobody would book. Like that's what I, that's how bad I looked. Big flouncy sleeves. Cause oh, hey, by the way, God. short sleeves, but they're coming down to my elbows. Cause it's an extra, it's an extra large. I looked like a freaking moron. Yeah. Yeah. I tried to do the, the alarm look, the petty right. look and the Joshua tree edge look. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> But, uh, hey, by, by the way, I also, uh, in that era, I wore the bolo tie one day too late. You know what I mean? Like, I, like one day too long. And I remember getting off stage and a guy goes, really? Bolo tie? I'm like, fucking, he's right. He's not wrong. <laughs> you know, and then that, that, just that sliding down of shame to take it off, just sliding the bolo tie. Oh, awful. Well, I had, you know, growing up in New Mexico, everyone had the bolo ties, but I had the official Joshua tree. Bolo tie that I bought at the Rosemont Horizon. Oh my goodness! Oh yeah, it was a bolo tie, but it was just a little pewter Joshua tree. <laughs> oh well, at least it, it, I mean, it, it, at least it was that. It didn't say you too. Like, which, which by the way, if, if they would have sold a Chicago bolo tie in, in nineteen ninety, I would have bought one. I would have been. I'd be. I'd be the asshole walking around with the Chicago logo bolo tie. Oh my god! Oh, that's the best. All right, Awful. let's go to the next song. Yes. It's a Peter Cetera song. I don't know it. It's uh. It's a slowish rocker. Lowdown. Jimmy, tell me about Lowdown. You know what? Here's the thing that when you say slowish, on the studio uh, on Chicago 3, I might agree with you. Uh, by the way, he co wrote it with uh, Danny Serafin, the drummer. Um, it, uh, but. This is why I'm. I've come around on Lowdown. I, I liked it. I liked it, but hearing it on this set seven times or however many times you hear it on this, um, I was like, "Hey, I've been missing the boat on Lowdown. This is a great live." So I wish they would bring it back and do it live. It is a because it, it ends up smoking towards the end of it. There's a great guitar solo at the end um, that Terry just rips. Terry Kath. Um, so I've I've done a uh, and that's the reason I brought that, that one up. Uh, uh, wanted that to be included. It was another one like I haven't heard that live enough. Uh, so to, to hear it again and have it fresh in my ears, uh, I got excited about it. Well, yeah, I got excited about it. And then when I say slowish rocker, I just did, like the tempo's a little slower, but it rocks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and and I was going to mention this point later, you know, just based on all the songs that you've chosen, but this. Set really captures the rock of Chicago. Yes. Like they rocked. And I could now I really understand why Terry Kath, the amazing guitar player who just kills it uh, on all of these live recordings, why he was probably frustrated uh, before his death when they started to really focus on ballads and big hits because this band rocks. Yeah, uh, it uh, and and to, to that point, you also hear on these songs and and lowdown lowdown is one of them uh, where you hear it very just how underrated a bass player Peter Cetera is. Like he mm. is, I mean, he is he's like McCartney in his in his. Uh, uh, I, I I'm not a bass player, so I don't know. I don't. Uh, he's in the pocket. That's not that doesn't apply to this, but I'm going to say it. <laughs> um, it. Uh, he, I just, I think he's criminally underrated because people just assume he's this crooner. And um, if you listen to the bass on this, uh, you, you'll hear how great he is. Um, how, how, do you go to see Peter Cetera if he ever tours? I don't even know if he 
tours. He's basically retired, uh, but I, I saw him, one of his very last shows that he did do, and, and that's not to say he won't do another one, uh, at the Saban, and he was great. He was, uh, honestly, it was the best I'd ever heard him live. Hmm. Um, and he does not play the bass enough. He only plays it on about five songs, which bums me out. And then the rest of it, he kind of does a Robert, you know, kind of a Robert Palmer sort of a, wears a suit and, um, uh, and he, and he, it's good. And, but it, it's, you know, his hits were ballads. So the show's a little ballad heavy for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, um, and he, the first time I saw him, he did not embrace his Chicago past as much. And he like was, he would do 25 or six to four and maybe feeling stronger every day. That might, and if you leave me now, and that might've been it. Mm. And then little by little, he started doing more and more. And, and the last time I saw him, it was, I would say more Chicago songs than solo songs. And thank God, because uh, those songs are so great and he's great singing them. Yeah, he, he is. And again, like you said, he, he rocks on this. So, you yeah. know, I, I, in your opinion, does this sort of set capture that early magic of Chicago? Well, to me, it does for this reason, you know, like, like I said, my dad was a huge Chicago fan. And so uh, I, and my, my dad doesn't remember even having this album. And, but I discovered Chicago Carnegie Hall from my dad's album collection wow. of, of, I knew the greatest hits album, obviously. And I, and I knew all those songs. So I, you know, I, I played the hell out of that. And then I was like, what the heck is this thing? And so, you know, this is the album and I bring this up. This is the album that I, that I got me addicted to Chicago. Wow. Um, uh, and it, you know, it, it very much reminded me of, of when I saw them first live in 81 and just the energy that you felt going to a concert. And, and I think this set kind of brings it back to that. And then, you know, you just sit in the room and you kind of feel like you're, you're at the, the, the Chicago stadium or the amphitheater and hearing, you know, a concert, you know, back in the old days before, you know, we're, we're truly just guys on a stage and you just have, you're happy to be in the building. Wow. Do you think that you need to go and buy another box set that you can put in a glass case so that sticker can be intact that says your name on it? <sighs> well, it's $180, so I don't know. It's, that would be a $180 monument to yourself. Yeah, it's, um, here's the beauty is, uh, I, I was, they were kind enough to get, I gave one to my father and I kept one. Oh, nice. So I kind of, I kind of have that anyway. So nice. Very um, nice. But I don't disagree with you about that sticker. I don't disagree. <laughs> All right. Moving on. Yes. Another, another one that I don't, I honestly don't know this one. This is a song that's called Listen. And this is a show opener, I think. Uh, but tell me about Listen. Uh, boy, oh boy, I don't know what to tell you about. It's a Robert Lamb composition. They all were in the early days. They mostly were Robert Lamb. Um, if only you would. And again, the bass on this is great. Terry's guitar is great. The horns are great. It's To your point from what you said earlier, they, they it's just a... It, 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 I mean, it's it's what, they, it's what they say. It's rock and roll with horns. And, and this song really, really, really proves that. Yeah, I wrote that down when I wrote some notes about some because I listened to this uh, set before we started talking. I wrote heavy organ horns. <laughs> oh, I, by the way, I love I love the organ. I love the I love Robert Lamb's use of the organ. Uh, and the da-da, God darn it, I love this song. I just uh, and, and it's one of those where, admittedly, when I was at my most fanatical about this band, 
I don't think I gave listen a a second listen. You know, it was to me it didn't it didn't have the um, uh, uh, maybe the poppy tune that I wanted the alive again from Hot Street sort of sound or uh, uh, beginnings. You know, which is off the first album, but it it was maybe a little more rocking than I wanted. Uh, but now it's, it's like, I, I don't sleep on listen is what I'm saying. Well, you, I mean, you growing up in Chicago, listening to WLS or AS yes. radio, uh, Chicago, the band is everywhere. The yes. hits are everywhere. Whether you love them or hate them growing up in Chicago, I am sure it was a constant soundtrack and I'm not just talking about demon dogs on fuller playing nothing but Chicago music on a loop. While you were trying to buy a hot dog, uh, well, I don't think it, I don't think the music got in the way of you buying a hot dog. I don't think I don't think the I don't think it. Uh, uh, and by the way, uh, a decent hot dog, fine hot dog, wasn't uh, wasn't the best, wasn't the worst. It was a fine hot dog. Uh, but don't uh, you know, as a young man from the south suburbs, going into the city was a big deal. And so, mm-hmm. but I would occasionally make the trek to go to Demon Dogs, and uh, I'd go, I'm going to go get a hot dog at Demon Dogs, and, and hope they had some new merch to, to buy. And I would buy some new, you know, the the leftover tour shirts from the previous tour. They would have there at a discount, and I would always buy. Is three that different- true? Yeah, 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 yeah. What? I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah, yeah. He would uh, because you know he managed them. Uh, Peter Chivarelli, who owned Demon Dogs, managed Chicago. He still manages them. I, I yeah. did not know that. So they would bring, you know, this is the pre eBay days and stuff. They would bring the leftover uh, merch to Demon Dogs and sell it at uh, literally five dollars a shirt. Like what? I mean, shirts back then were only 10 bucks anyway, but it still, it was like, oh, I can get three shirts for 15 bucks and a hot dog. I'm in. <laughs> God damn it. I, okay. A full disclosure. Of course, every time I went to Demon Dogs, it was after a Cubs game. Right. Hammered. And my uh, shout out to Fish, my friend, David Warner. We went in there one time and I'll never forget it. You know, beginnings or 25 or 64 is playing in the background. And the young girl behind the counter could not have been more than 17. Right. My friend goes, what's your favorite Chicago song? And she just, her eyes just rolled back into her head. You know, like, she's just sick of hearing. Of course. It doesn't care. Every day. All day, every day. No other music and demon dogs. Right. And, and, and you, she's just going to be thinking, it's just my job, dude. It's just my job. <laughs> I know. That, that was the look. That right. look. Like, what do you want? What can I get you? Yeah. Oh, fantastic. All right. I That is good intel. And I'm mad at myself for not uh, buying a discount budget Chicago tour shirt because I've got so fucking many. All right. In the country. That's the next song. This is the first song from the show on April 5th, 1971 with a Scott Muni intro. Success, success speaks for itself. And I'm Scott Muni, and I'm humbled to be on stage opening night at Carnegie Hall with Chicago. Terry Kath's singing. Yes. I believe it's a Kath composition. Am I not? Am I wrong about that? Isn't that this? this? I I don't know. I mean, I have I do have a little computer in front of me. I'm the, I'm I'm the fanatic who should know this. I want to say this is yeah. uh, people should know. While Jimmy looks up that in- intel, there is a great documentary about Terry Cap, who was taken from us too soon. The fantastic guitar player from Chicago, who Jimi Hendrix thought was one of the best guitarists he'd ever seen. Uh, there's a great uh, Terry Cap documentary out there. Go find it i think it's on amazon 
right now, but it's a good rock doc. Is that the, the um, one? The, the one his daughter did. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, um, all right, I'm I'm looking. Uh, you're welcome uh, for the time I was given. Um, in the country is Kath. Yeah, I don't know why I double clutched on that. Yeah, it's uh, definitely. Uh, 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 and, and I do enjoy that documentary. Uh, I also enjoy the one that I'm in. <laughs> I say for humor. Um, I love this song. You know, here's the thing. I, I like Terry Kath's songwriting. Uh, I like I like Panko's and and Lambs more. Um, but this song is just, I think it's a flawless song. It's my second favorite Terry Kath song. My first is a song called Once or Twice off Chicago 10. Mm. Um, and I love, oh, thank you, Great Spirit off Chicago 8. But there's something about this one to what you said earlier. Like, it's got, it's, it's got everything. It's got every, every part of Chicago that you want. This has it. And uh, when they recently did that, as I mentioned, that Chicago 2 from start to finish live, um, he, I had never heard in the country live because they stopped doing it because, you know, Terry had passed by the time I started seeing them live and it didn't fit in with the eighties. Like if they did it in the country in the middle of in between love me tomorrow and hard to say, I'm sorry, the audience wouldn't know what the hell to do. So they, um, <laughs> to see it live for the first time, uh, a few years, it was like j- just amazing. So it's, uh, uh, another one where I've be, you know, re- recently have come to love it more than I did, you know, 40 years ago when I got obsessed with this band. Fantastic. How did your, classmates in uh, middle school and early high school treat you as a Chicago fan? Was that, uh, well, it started freshman. It started in between freshman and sophomore year. Okay. Um, and uh, so middle school was all, uh, or uh, elementary school was kiss. Uh-huh. So, uh, so, but it was for everybody. It was either, uh, you know, it was kiss, Sean Cassidy or Led Zeppelin. And nobody made fun of anybody for liking anything. Um, and then in high school, I went to a school that was obsessed with Bob Seger and Bruce Springsteen. And I, no, but nobody except for one guy named Gary Shera, who's the guy that I went to my very first Chicago show with at Chicago Fest 1981. Um, and and I, and I think Gary, Gary's part of it, too. My dad and Gary Shera are the two that got me obsessed with Chicago. And I've since surpassed them with my ridiculous obsession with them, uh, with the band. Uh, but that's it. The two of us, me and Gary Shera. That was it. And um, here's the here's the and but nobody, nobody ever made fun of me or anything. Nobody cared. Uh, the only time that anything ever went bad was one one week. I think it was my was it my senior year or junior year. I don't remember. It was one of the two. And I wore a different Chicago tour shirt every day. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. I wore a different Chicago shirt every day. And on Friday, the woman named Diana Ingram, who was one of my favorite teachers, she's like, hey, what's with the Chicago shirts all week? And I said, it's Peter Cetera's birthday week. And she went, oh, God. <laughs> Oh, and, and she's hundred percent. You, you sad, pathetic. You're a, you're a senior in high school trying to get laid. What are you doing? <laughs> Celebrating Peter Sedaris' birthday by wearing a shirt every day to commemorate you. Was it a litmus test for dates? Uh, if if the lady did not like Chicago, no, no we're done tonight. <laughs> it, 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 uh, you know, here's the thing though. They they got huge in the eighties because of it. Hard to say. I'm sorry, and then you know, stay the night, and 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 you're the inspiration, and uh, so they got. So it really wasn't. It was only maybe eighty one, eighty two, not even eighty two, because that's when Hard to Say I'm Sorry went to number one. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't. It wasn't that crazy. Yeah, understood. Totally. Yeah, understood. and the and the girls loved it. They loved those songs. I believe David Foster Wallace has fathered another child. I think he has unleashed a new child into the world. I don't know if it's David Foster Wallace, by the way. I think that's a different guy. Oh, it's a different guy. Who's, who's the guy I'm thinking of? David. You're Foster. thinking of David Foster. <laughs> David Foster Wallace, the guy who killed himself. 
Correct. I, I, you know, I, I don't know. <laughs> okay, David Foster has fathered another child with uh, the young with the young Catherine McPhee. That's right. That's right. Now, another important question before we move on to your next song. Yes. Are you and I going to go on the Kiss Cruise? No. <laughs> it's leaving from Long Beach. Wait a minute. What? There, wait, there's a new one? Oh, there's a new one. Yeah, I saw it yesterday. Because usually it leaves from Florida. Now, now it's leaving from the Los Angeles area, which which means Long Beach uh, and going down to Mexico. Swear to God, I know that they've just canceled the residency in Los Angeles yeah. due to soft ticket sales. There's um, a, as a guy that, that that you know you're in the world you're you know with with, with your your rocktail show and yes. you know you you go to as many shows as I do. Yes. Um, I'm fascinated at the idea that there's low ticket sales for that residency when other bands have been successful with it. To me, I, a kiss is almost like going to see Cirque du Soleil. Like if you're in Vegas and you get a chance to go see, Ki- like to me, that's like, yeah, I'll go on Tuesday. We see kiss and we go see the magic on Wednesday. Like to me, it, it was a no brainer. So I, I'm really, really surprised by this. Uh, they've been touring too much. I think Th- that's, that was that's, my wife's take. Yeah. Because this end of the world tour, the the final the final road whatever they they call it right it, they've been doing it for a decade and, and and I I know that we were supposed to go to Irvine but there was some COVID uh, so we did not go to the show at Irvine but I know that like that wasn't it wasn't a sellout because they had just basically come to Los Angeles right before the pandemic right so, which oh. that's the one we were at right exactly the one, uh, uh, which was the uh, Mar- was that March nine. Of, yeah. of 2020 yeah. yes it was Absolutely. it was like literally like five days before everything locked down <laughs> and then i went i went into a panic going well you know it's only a calendar everybody there might have, everybody there might have had covid thank god we didn't get it i don't remember seeing a mask in the staples center well it wasn't it wasn't happening yet right, right? we weren't we weren't masking yet <laughs> oh my god yes but kiss cruise yes it is leaving Blah 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 blah. All right, here we go. Now we're talking. Uh, we're going to talk about a uh, Chicago song that I love. Everyone loves it. This is the live version of "Make Me Smile," dude. Children play in the park. They don't Make me smile. It's one of Jimmy Panko's greatest songs. It, uh, you know, it's part of the ballet for a girl of Buchanan. Uh, which includes Color of My World. and um, It is a... Um, God bless it. The guitar... Again, Terry's guitar solo is phenomenal on this. The horns are great. Um, Kath's vocal is great. Um, it really... Uh, you know, we... It, it, I do a charity event every year for uh, for Smile Train, where we... You know, the great organ- company that goes to third world countries and does surgeries to fix the cleft palates of, of children. And... Wayne Fetterman is our live band uh, music director uh, for the show. And, and they were warming up once. They're tuning up. And and they started the band. There's a saxophone player and there's a drummer and a guitarist. And they start doing Make Me Smile. And I start singing along with it. And it was all of a sudden it's like, hey, we why aren't we doing this for the show? It's called Make Me Smile. We're doing a benefit for Smile Train. Like it's, I'm a Chicago for the, so then we opened with it, and the place went effing nuts. Like you got to be kidding me! And I'm not. By the way, I'm not a singer. I don't know what I'm doing. But it's my voice is just okay enough to, you know, children play in the park. They don't know. I could just kind of pull it off. <laughs> Great song. 
And uh, a way for me to plug my charity event, Podcastathon. Okay. Well, you know, as we kind of wrap things up here, because um, I've kept you for an hour, my friend. I, you, you know this. You know that I will talk to you. This is full disclosure. I'll say it on the air. Uh, when I, I was having, I, could, I didn't have my camera on yet. And the, the Zoom opened and I saw your face and I already started smiling. I already was like, this is, I, I, I so love talking to you, man. I so enjoy your company. It's, it's. Well, I, as, been, as do I, this is all that I want to do. Um, uh, cause it just, I mean, you know, few people make me laugh, uh, like you do and to talk rock with you. It's like, it's like my two favorite things smushed into one amazing sandwich. So, uh, what do you want to throw out there and promote? Well, you know, just well, Podcastathon is not until uh, May of 2022, which we, we keep pushing it back, uh, hoping that you know we, we're able to do it again at some point. Um, we've raised 1.3 million dollars for Smile Train over the years, oh, wow. and um, it's a great event where it's um, uh, it goes from uh, noon to midnight. I think it's going to go from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. this year. I, I, that's not locked down. It's not until May. Um, and I have a different guest on every 20 minutes. There's like 30 people that you know from TV, music, uh, television, comedy. Um, you know, great people like, uh, you know, John Hamm and Conan O'Brien, Sarah Silverman, Pat Oswalt. Um, Colin Hay was there last year, or not like whatever it was, 2019. Amy Mann has joined us, Lisa Loeb. Um, we're, we're very lucky that people are, uh, donate their time and uh, and even luckier that these fans donate the money to, to it. Um, but I've also got, of course, my award-winning podcast, Never Not Funny, which you can get at nevernotfunny.com. Uh, and then my uh, my uh, dumb uh, web series, Jimmy's Records and Tapes, which is, and I say dumb because it's really just me uh, talking to myself about my top five favorite whatever uh, Yacht Rock songs or whatever. And then just me kind of arguing with myself as, why should that be number four? And then I uh, talk myself in and out of it within seconds. Um, so it's uh, Jimmy's Records and Tapes. That's at YouTube. And, uh, uh, youtube.com slash never not funny you could find that and um that's about it that seems like enough <laughs> no no flappers uh coming up in the next oh shit i, I do i've got uh if you're in the la area I, i'm doing a game show called pop culture oh. uh it's a it's a that's at flappers on uh, december 7 and then no but before that november <laughs> november oh boy shall tinga will have to fix this in post <laughs> Uh, November 19, uh, is my virtual show where you, uh, you can, you can get links to that on jimmypardo.com where I do, uh, uh via zoom. I have been doing them since, uh, uh, the, the September in the pandemic and people seem to love them. And, uh, I'm not getting the huge audiences that I did in the heat of the pandemic, but the people that show up, love them. They don't want me to stop doing them. And it's like, you know what? I enjoy them. They enjoy them. Why would I stop? So, um, Fantastic. And it's more of a conversation than it is just me standing in front of a shower curtain doing stand-up, which would be <laughs> pathetic and awful. <laughs> Do you have any concerts left in you coming up? Yes. What do I have coming up? Um, wait a minute. No, uh, no, I don't think we do this year. I wow. think we. they all came right within a little package of each other. Uh, the next one I have, and this thing, this has been pushed back four times now. And it's not until April 7, 8, and 9, I'm going to go see AHA at the Wiltern. Wow. AHA. Three nights. Take on me at the Wiltern. I think you've mentioned this before. Yes, I believe everybody mocks me. Well, but they can fill, they're clearly, they can fill the Wiltern because they're playing more than one show. They're doing three shows. Wow. And I think they could add more if they wanted to. It's, um, yeah. 
Okay, th- maybe that's something that I'll have to revisit myself. Dude, revisit myself because I've no, I, I have no idea. I would be walking in blind. Listen to their first three albums. Listen to they are, uh, uh, wow, uh, stay on the road and and scoundrel days. Um, uh, the first album, they're, it's I love, great. I love Sun Always Shines on TV. Dude, that that's was- a better song than Take On Me, and Take On Me is a great song. Absolutely. All right. Well, damn. Maybe I'll have to go to that. Um, what are you I, seeing? Well, I I hope I missed X at the Greek Theater, um, and I I think I'm going to have to drive down to Santa Ana to see them in December. Uh, also, the Circle Jerks are touring again. Their 40th anniversary. Right. They're a great punk record group. Sex. Uh, Keith Morris has been on the show, so I, I want to go see them live. But there's no. I think we're done with the big ones because, like you said, they all decided to come to Southern California in September and October right. 2021. So uh, that's But are funny. you going to go see, let me ask you this, and I was going to wait till we're off the air, but since we're talking about the shows we're going to see, I don't know what this is. I don't know what it means. Bruce Dickinson spoken word tour. What is this? Um, I just didn't click buy on tickets this morning, but because uh, they're on sale coming up this Friday. But what is it? It's an evening with Bruce Dickinson. Talking about stuff. Basically, I don't. He doesn't read his book. It's spoken word. It's him. It's it's Bruce. It's Bruce on stage talking to nerds at the Orpheum, where I just saw Wilco, by the way, mm-hmm. uh, a week ago, which was ridiculous. No Dio um, shirts were there. I'm told. <laughs> I, I was the only one. No, but yes, I will be going to see Bruce Dickinson spoken word at the Orpheum Theater in the spring of 2022. In Los Angeles, California. Uh, Jimmy, read for me, Long Beach. <laughs> you got it in there. I you- got it in. I had to wait for the little pocket. Read for me, California. Read for me. <laughs> uh, you, do you, by the way, before we do, do you love their new album? I do love their it's new really album. It's really great. And when I went down with COVID, I, you know, I got the breakthrough COVID despite being fully vaxxed, and I had to basically be in bed for a few days. Uh, I just had Senjutsu. Uh, in the background, on repeat, uh, right? You know, absorbing it because we are hoping and praying that we will get one of them on Rocktails Series XM Volume Channel One Hundred Six. I'm gonna. Can I make a prediction? Yes, it will be Nico McBrain. Oh, and uh, nothing would make me happier. Yeah, it'll be him. Although now maybe Dickinson because of the spoken word thing. Maybe Dickinson, but I, I, if I if I had to put money on it. I would say Nico. Yeah, I the request has been made, and we are hoping, hoping, hoping. Um, Jimmy, thank you. What can I say? I mean, you're the best. You're my favorite guest. Oh my god! Yeah, I, I'm I honored. I'm honored every every time you ask me. I'm I'm thrilled, and it's like uh, when you say at your earliest convenience, and and, and it's like uh, Tuesday. Yeah, like, <laughs> and it's like not, well, let me take a look and uh, figure it out. It's boom. I love well, it. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And I'm going to play us out with uh, one of my favorite songs uh, from Chicago and from this set. Uh, It's an oldie, but a goodie. And it's beginning. So let me just say to this, to uh, thank you so much to the rest of you for liking, listening, subscribing. Uh, Great guests coming down the pike, of course. But, you know, you cannot beat Jimmy Pardo uh, for the third slash fourth time on the Brando cast. And, of course, the Brando cast is produced by Mr. Richard Sheltinga. So until the next time, cats and kittens. When I'm with you, it doesn't matter where we are or what we're doing. I'm with you.